You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis in the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, I'll, I'll ask anyways. How you doing, buddy? Never trust the Bucks. Fire bud. This team's terrible. <laughs> I'm quitting this team. No, 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 no. no. We, we, we jest. Um... The Milwaukee Bucks are perfect no more. We just saw the Bucks. You 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 really did see the Bucks. I watched the Bucks on TV uh, lose one seventeen to one thirteen in Boston in um, a pretty weird game, right? I mean, a game of extremes yeah. with twenty four of fifty five threes being buried by the Celtics, who got an endless uh, supply of open looks tonight, and um, kind of kind of crazy. The Bucks we're able to trim this lead that I think what it was, was it like, uh, let's see, they, they were, they scored, I was going by 11 in the fourth. So it was a four, a 15 point deficit going into the fourth quarter. And then um, they kind of stuck with it. And, you know, I think showed, I guess some hashtag good character <laughs> coming back. Uh, they, while they lost the three point line battle by 45 points, they were plus 40 in the paint, 62 to 22. Giannis kind of leading the way with 33 points, but um, yeah, fr- still very frustrating because obviously the the bar is now raised for the Bucks. Um, and as much as it, you know, on some level feels like, well, you're you're just not going to win when you give up that many threes. Um, the Bucks had a bunch of opportunities to tie this game in the final minute, and Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe repeatedly, and Giannis at least twice, um, all really kind of blue chances to, to tie this game. So um, frustrating in that regard, but by the same token, I think, uh, you know, this is one of those matchups that um, they took the, the Celtics best punches and, you know, still nearly came out with a win. So um, again, I'm not a moral victories guy, but uh, in the grand scheme of losses, you know, I think you felt like you went toe to toe with the kind of presumptive favorites in the East. And that's not a bad way to lose at least. I mean, this is going to be the most ultimate loser talk I've ever been a part of, but uh, <laughs> you have to feel great after that, right? Well, no, I don't. Well, I don't feel great. Be- I mean, if the Celtics had just like made like 23s with, with like strong contests and they were just like getting lucky, then I would feel like I would not feel worried at all. But there were a lot of open threes, okay. which which I think is. Uh, let me ask you something, Frank. There, let me ask you something, Frank. Like I don't think that scheme is going to work in a playoff series against the Celtics. Let me say that. Do you think Bud is dumb? No. Do you think they would run what they ran tonight in a playoff series? So I and I'm, I always kind of struggle with this a little bit. So. I, I get the line of thinking that it's early in the season. They're trying to like install a system and they don't want to just like, you know, 
throw their hands up and throw crap against the wall and like change at the first sign of of the system like you know not working um so i get that to an extent like you know you, you like when al horford hits his first open three you don't suddenly say like switch everything or whatever but by the same token it's like it doesn't even have to be that. trying to win like, the game they though, went right? over i mean i don't know like they they what if if any team comes out and goes over every marcus smart screen i'm not convinced they're trying to win like i'll just say that but shouldn't you be trying to win? i mean is it is it is i mean this is i guess this is a philosophical point right you're saying they are so focused yes. on playing their style that they are not going to adjust well and but but then why did they adjust at the end like was that a failure then that they then threw brooke lopez like going like at the level of the screener on pick and rolls late in the game like is that i just think it was close enough that you could maybe grab it but like i like there's no doubt like if you like if mike boonholzer saw that adjustment with seven eight minutes left in the fourth quarter am i really gonna think he didn't see it as soon as the game started like i mean maybe joe prunty i would think that yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're have trying to you're trying to have it both ways though. Like it's okay for him to make adjustment when he did, but it's totally logical that he didn't make it earlier. I, I don't know. I mean, he eventually made an adjustment. I'm glad that at some point he cried uncle and didn't just continue to concede wide open threes to on pick and pops, but um, you know, again, like it's this isn't the end of the world. Um, I think though obviously at some point the Bucks are going to have to kind of figure out like, you know, some teams are going to be able to do this to them. And so they will need to develop some sort some sort of answer. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what that is. I, I We know that Bud hates yeah, switching. What's, what? yeah, you, like it's switching. It's like, I mean, at some point, like there's only certain ways to combat certain teams. Like if Joe Prundy and Jason Kidd could figure it out, like I think Mike Boonholzer can figure out that the best way to, Cover the Celtics as a switch. Don't ever cover Semi Ojale. Don't cover Marcus Smart above the three point line. Like I think they can figure all of that out. Like I, I just think that eight games into a season, you're not specifically game planning for the Boston Celtics and saying, you know what, we're going to go out there and beat the Celtics tonight. And like to me, if if in a game where you gave up 55 threes, the Celtics could only manage to beat you by four. And offensively, you largely had a, a pretty bad night. Man, and again, like I said, this is the most loser talk I've ever been a part of, but you got to be feeling pretty damn good at the end of it. Uh, I, I, uh, feeling good, I, I don't, I mean, I think this is one of those things where you just sort of nod and say, all right, we, we took your best shot. We'll see you next game. And I mean, when, when is it okay? Like, is he allowed to have a, have a game plan the next time you play the Celtics or do you have to wait until the playoffs? Like what, no. what are the rules of like, I think you'd wait till the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, so you're, you're, but, but this, doesn't this kind of get back to, so, so like, so doesn't this go fly completely against the face of the whole, like, you can't just wait until the playoffs and then become a switching defense. Like you got to practice this shit. I mean, like, I, cause that's, I don't. I don't know that switching is like the biggest deal. Like I just think we talked not... last season about how you can't just like you have to actually like 
work and like be precise to do a switching defense. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about switching. I'm saying switching in general against the Celtics isn't the biggest deal. Like that's the way that if you really want to shut them down, like obviously that's the way to go about it. But like just treating Semi Ojale and Marcus Smart the right way, I think does a lot to help you defensively. Yeah, but like, are we? Are we? So sorry. Are, are we giving them credit for? for not doing that i don't i don't really understand like it i, I don't know like I'm, i feel like we're just like it just seems like you're talking like trying to turn all of this into like buds you know playing five-dimensional chess with everything and i i think at some point it's like do things that help you win games when and i get i get it it's not the end of the world to lose this game in the second week of the season but i mean are you saying they shouldn't have they should they should have ignored those guys they shouldn't have ignored those guys because that would build bad habits or something or what what's the argument here just why did you think they ignored them tonight no i'm saying like you're saying that they i think they just played everything straight up like that's what i think yeah exactly yes but but ideally you would try to play off those guys right like if this is a playoff series you're playing off those guys yes so what the argument though is that there was good that they didn't do that i don't i don't know what you're getting at with me saying something is good or bad i'm just telling you what i think bud did tonight well i know but i mean like inherently we're we're trying to make some assessment of whether we would agree with that approach right so are you saying that you would agree with that approach uh i don't know i've never been an nba coach um like i don't know how valuable it is eight games into the season to start game planning for teams like just because like it is something that i mean kind of runs counterintuitive to everything bud has been preaching like bud tells us every time we talk about an opponent like you guys think i watch way more film than i do like i'm worried about us i'm not really concerned about our opponent like i'm worried about what we're doing how we're executing and our system so like to me i I saw them go over the first Marcus Smart pick and roll, and I said, "Okay, that's what they're doing for the whole night." Like to me, like, if you because it, I mean I don't want to say it's common sense, but like that's kind of how you play guys on the Celtics if if you want to beat them, if you are not working on some greater thing. And again, we can disagree with that idea or or say that's a, a silly thing to do, but to me, it just looked like from the moment that happened. And it didn't really change until the fourth quarter. It was like, okay, they're working on themselves. And I can't imagine this is a confidence builder giving up 55 threes. And I don't know if I agree with that strategy, but I mean, it does seem like something they wanted to do. Like, I don't, I guess you're having a problem squaring up why you would do it. And I would agree. Like I, I am struggling with why you would do that, but I do think it's very clear that that's what they were doing. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that's fair. I think, I don't think, to answer your very first question with the same way, you know, Bud is not stupid, right? Um, he, yeah. he didn't, I don't think he thought that their zone drop was going to, you know, magically allow them to start, you know, contesting Al Horford threes. Um, <laughs> so I guess we just can kind of leave it there, right? Like, you know, that's that was his decision, and eventually they adjusted down the stretch. We saw them 
kind of do it reminded me a little bit of i mean very different scenario because like the hornets were not beating them with pick and pop threes the hornets were beating them with kemba pull-up threes in pick and roll um but they eventually kind of adjusted their coverage late in that game they also went small down the stretch of the ursan Giannis lineup in that game we saw that uh, i think what was the last five minutes or so of this game i think they were down like seven at the time yeah. when when ursan came in for lopez um and then uh and then you know and and they were you know they they did start to bring brook way out which was interesting um but uh mm-hmm. but yeah they went with the Giannis ursan combo down the stretch and i think that's going to be you know, I, I do think there, you know, a lot of the themes like what you were just talking about kind of plays over also into like rotations. Like Bud is trying to be extremely consistent in rotations because he's trying to really build continuity. And I think that plays into both tactics as well as just the combinations that are out on the court. And so we're seeing like, you know, you pretty much know who's coming, who's coming in at which times. And, you know, he's not throwing <laughs> random guys out there to get them yeah. like some burn or things like that. Like putting Connaughton into the lineup is you know, adding him to the rotation, going from like a nine to a 10 man rotation has been pretty much like the biggest change that he's done other than, you know, just when guys have been injured. Um, and so it's interesting because it's been very consistent. Like he did it one game and then it was, (laughs) yeah, like that's it. You know, and we saw Connaughton again tonight and I think they've played 10 guys the last few games or, you know, obviously they've had a lot of blowouts. So it's, there've been more guys, but as far as like during competitive periods, it's generally been, you know, nine guys and not 10 guys. And, um, and so I think it's going to be really interesting to see because, like, the Giannis-Urson combo is probably going to be, like, you know, that's, that's kind of Bud's, like, small ball antidote if there is one. Um, and it's still obviously yeah. not as extreme as a lot of teams just because Urson's obviously not, like, I mean, he's certainly more mobile than than any of the Bucks' um, traditional centers other than Thon. Okay, he's basically more mobile than Henson and Lopez. <laughs> Sorry, let me be a little more direct with that. Um but he's also obviously like smarter and more skilled offensively than Thon. So, I mean, not shocking that that's the guy he's he's going with in those types of scenarios. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, coming to this game, they were had only played 66 possessions without a true center, the, those two together. Uh, they were plus six net rating. So, you know, not really very good by, by 18, 19 bucks standards. But, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that evolves because, um, you know, we've got the Golden State coming up pretty soon as well. And obviously, um, the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors are a little bit different, right? Because they don't play really five out. Like, Draymond is not Al Horford shooting pick-and-pop threes. Like, I I actually am pretty okay okay with Draymond shooting pick-and-pop threes. Um, But obviously, they can do kind of a lot of different things. And it'll be interesting to see. I I, I think, you know, I think my biggest takeaway from tonight was obviously, you know, they had to take their medicine, um, you know, kind of, I'd say Stevens dictated the shot chart like this is like the kind of the first game where it felt like the other team dictated the shot yeah. chart more than the bucks you know um because basically they just said all right you're gonna let us do this we're going to do this and kind of punish you and on the other end you know they kind of made it hard for the bucks to get maybe a lot of the open threes that they have been getting and kind of said you know what like we'll let you just have Giannis <laughs> go at our dudes and um i thought the bucks were also a lot more content to go to Giannis and just try to have him sort of mismatch his way into buckets, like really early in the possessions. Like it didn't seem like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It felt, and, and again, like I, I, this is going to sound like super negative and I'm not really intending it this way, but it felt like it was a lot more like a last year Bucks <laughs> offensive performance. In, that way. in the second quarter, I looked at Matt and I asked him, is Jason coaching the team? 
<laughs> because you're you're 100 right. Like rather than you know, we've kind of talked about this entire year that it's about ball movement, it's about player movement, and you know, like the times where the Bucks get really good stuff is you know they do get a switch with a mismatch or something like that, and then just kind of keep running their action. And instead, it was okay. We got a switch. Uh, Giannis, uh, let's go with the back down here. And it was just kind of strange to see. And, um, you know, I, I thought, like you said, I think I think where this offense is going to get tested this year is teams that decide to switch everything. Like that, that is going to be that is going to be where they get tested, because, you know, when teams switch everything, you feel like and again, this is uh definitely something that the previous regime believed in was that, you know, you, you got your mismatch now go take advantage of it. That was just kind of how they felt in general uh, about that idea. And is it the best idea? Eh, Probably not. It's probably not the best idea because, you know, if you are going to get a height advantage, whether it's Chris Middleton, whether it's Giannis, uh, you're going to get a catch inside the three-point line and you're going to back it down. And, you know, we've seen some teams, uh, the Hornets, I thought, did a, a really nice job of it in the first game of the season. We saw the Celtics do it tonight where they might throw a little bit of help uh, towards that mismatch, but for the most part, it's going to be them trying to be physical and you know they they have guys in semi ojale and uh marcus morris that can be quite physical as defenders and they just are going to say okay take your two that's fine you want it you got it you're not going to get a three out of it and you know i think the bucks are really going to have to find a way to not fall into that trap because uh we've talked about how Essentially, the Bucks uh, have been in a very similar way. They've been dictating the the shot profile of their opponents. Well, tonight they had their shot profile dictated by the Celtics. The Celtics said you were going to shoot inside the the lane, and they kind of did it. And uh, then it just kind of looked like they fell into old habits because, you know, I I think through Giannis after game one of the season, I think what he was over three from three that night, and you know like. I asked a question that, you know, struggling a little bit from the three point line. Are you going to keep shooting? How's that going to go? And I can't remember his exact words, but essentially like if you sit off me, I'm going to shoot threes. They sat off him the entire night. Like they, they weren't, they weren't close to him out by the three point line and they didn't go up. He wasn't shooting threes. And uh, I think throughout the night, the Bucks kind of did that. Really, I- ironically, the only one that kind of figured it out was Chris Middleton. And by that point, he was, good God, what he had to be, what, like two for 14 or something at that point before he started pulling out Horford and attacking one-on-one uh, from half court. So um, it's just going to be, I-, I-, I thought this was this was the night where they were tested most in regards to their scheme on both ends of the floor. And the other times I thought they maybe failed for a quarter or struggled a little bit and then found their way tonight. They just failed period. Like they just kind of got tight. They fell into some of the old habits that they did under Jason Kidd, which as we've discussed, obviously aren't good ones uh, and kind of fell out of their system. Bud mentioned a post game that he thought there was, uh, a, a pretty long period there where they were passing up shots and not playing, not playing with the confidence that they've had before. So 
to me that uh, I, I, sh- I don't think anyone's going to be surprised that Brad Stevens was able to make this happen because he, obviously he's he's a great coach and he kind of understands all of these things because before the game he was asked what's the biggest difference about the Bucks and he said shot profile and then answered but shot profile was his first thing and uh, the Celtics obviously did a nice job controlling that tonight so um, I, I thought it was an, a really interesting game a really weird game but I think the the kind of ultimate test for the Bucks and believing in their system and I think they they might not have passed that test tonight. Well, I guess the the, the counter argument to that is that you know the best teams and and Boston may be a little bit of a, an outlier to this. I mean, they have Kyrie who can do it, but um, like you look at, I mean, Golden State, Houston in particular. Um, they are teams that can just murder you if if you if you switch and give them mismatches because they just have the individual talent to you know kill you with kind of isolation type type play. Um, and so it, it's kind of those things yeah. where um, I mean we saw kind of like bad Giannis mid range jump shot attempts return a bit tonight. Like his first shot of the game is a long pull up mm-hmm. like twenty foot pointer which was just like what <laughs> like that is not the shot we we're going for this year um yep. you know we saw him attempt one of those like turnaround bank shots which like he shoots like 10 percent on and he just needs to freaking quit it with um but uh you know he also hit a he did hit a couple of of step backs and and look i mean this is one of those things right i mean like he he can't survive purely on layups i think this year it, it has the irony is that like as much as we we came into the season talking about like Giannis adding the three, because but but you know thinking like maybe this might be the year and he had the green light, blah blah. blah. I mean, it has never been less needed for him to shoot threes because literally everybody else around him does. <laughs> so you know, and and like no, I mean, the best defense <laughs> yeah. in the league tonight was just like, you know, I mean they were backing off, but they also were not walling off the paint. So I mean. I didn't really have a problem with him like attacking because I mean he yeah. was like had a head of steam and it's just like one guy backing up and with very little help. So um, you know, I, I think you're pretty much fine. I mean, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, he had a couple, you know, like, a few takes in a row where it was just like comical, right? I mean, it was just like a man like with like a <laughs> like a like a like a, an adult like with a little like Nerf basketball hoop in his like kid's uh, room or something, like just driving to the basket yeah. and, and laying it in. Um, so I mean, and and not surprising when you look at the second and fourth quarters. Giannis scores twelve points. Bucks score thirty-seven in the second quarter. He scores fourteen in the fourth quarter, and Bucks score thirty-five points. Right. So, um, you know, Giannis just being able to kind of go off was was a path to the Bucks scoring a lot of points in those second and fourth quarters. Um, but by the same token, it's like you know, obviously you would like to see more balance. And I mean, Middleton. Six out of eighteen, he made. You know, again, it was. <laughs> I feel like Chris does this a lot, where, like, if he's having a bad game, like, and the Bucks are losing, he'll just like randomly start hitting threes to kind of like sort of get you back in the game late in the game. Um, and he did that tonight, so you know, better late than never. Um, and but obviously he wasn't efficient tonight. Eighteen shots, sixteen points. Um, Lopez over three from three, just two points. Um, you know, this was obviously probably the <laughs> the game of the season where where Lopez looked the most like you know the NBA dinosaur who's you know too big and slow to uh, to to keep up with the yep. like small quick mammals or or whatever your uh, metaphor is um, <laughs> and Bledsoe you know Bledsoe obviously had some 
very Bledsoe in Boston moments tonight as well with a missed free throw and a missed kind of bunny that ultimately the Bucks kept possession. Um, but then Giannis gets fouled and misses a free throw. And if Bledsoe just makes the shot, then, you know, you get a chance to foul uh, down one and get another chance to, to shoot a three. So, um, you know, Bledsoe, I felt like he played even worse. I mean, 13 points on nine shots, seven assists, um, two turnovers. I mean, it wasn't like a horrendous night. And, and thankfully, Terry Rozier didn't destroy him. <laughs> Rozier had seven points on three of 11 shooting at least. But obviously, Kyrie was was clearly better um, than him tonight with 28 points on 20 shots and seven assists. Um, and again, okay, you know, Bledsoe is not as good as Kyrie. But, you know, again, Bledsoe with some some mistakes down the stretch. And, um, you know, he wasn't alone, of course, in that regard. But, you know, this, this certainly will not quiet the um, you know, murmurs about Bledsoe and, and whether or not he's good enough sort of against the, the best teams in the league. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you just, other you know, Giannis obviously got his got his points. Um, you didn't see, and again, not that it felt like Giannis was like A-plus Giannis tonight, um, but the Celtics just don't have anybody one-on-one who can contain him, um, not surprisingly. And uh, unfortunately, just not a lot of stuff from anyone else. And, you know, really to the point of, of what the Celtics were kind of trying to take away, I mean, Giannis had two assists. Neither of them were on three-pointers. I, I can't even remember. I don't even know if he, like, had any three-point assist opportunities, really. Like, maybe one or two. But no, there really no, no. were not, like, a lot of opportunities where the Bucks got on in transition and he was able to get guys open threes or, you know, defenses collapsing. I mean, Celtics defense really just didn't collapse. They just sort of played straight up and sort of just kind of dared Giannis to beat them. And he was able to do that most of the night, but obviously the Bucks, you know, nine out of 29 from three, um, they just didn't get much help from a, a bunch of guys who, you know, up until now have helped. And that said though, you have to give credit to the bench. I mean, um, you know, Dante DiVincenzo gave them really nice energy, eight points on six shots, five rebounds, a couple of assists, game high plus or team high plus 16 actually game high for for either team we had the best plus 16 in 24 minutes um i thought he gave them a nice shot in the arm again um and tony snell nine points in 15 minutes three out of four had a couple of like really nice driving lefty finishes um and hit one out of two threes um you know we've talked haven't talked that much about snell but i mean i, I tweeted out i mean he's he's really adapted well to the bench role i mean he leads the bucks in net rating his shot 40 percent from three 65% or 68% true shooting. I mean, he's, you know, again, like he's not going to keep that up all year, but, but he was fine. And um, I thought Urson gave them some, some decent minutes and um, you know, even Henson <laughs> hit another three, although he only played 10 minutes. And again, this was a game where I don't, I don't think you can necessarily get away with, with much more than the 33 minutes that they got from uh, their traditional centers. And, you know, I, I don't, again, small sample theater, but um, they were minus nine in the 33 minutes that, Lopez and or Henson were on the court and they were let's see plus five when they didn't have a traditional center on the court so whatever do with that what you will um you know file it away because certainly tonight was not a game that was a good one for the Bucks traditional centers yeah and, and it's gonna be I mean it was kind of some of the things that we talked about before the season right like we had mentioned the idea that okay brooke lopez will start but he probably won't finish and uh you know what do the bucks do how do they try to handle that because i mean in their their zone drop scheme al horford's a problem period like he's gonna pick and pop it to death and 
you're, you're just you're not going to recover, and you're especially not going to recover when it's Brook Lopez. And you might recover when it's Urson, but a lot of times Horford's probably going to beat his contest with uh, with a you know an up fake and a drive, and then he'll make the right decision. And again, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be uh, it's going to be really interesting to see because uh, you know, kind of to bring it back full circle, like we haven't seen Mike Budenholzer uh, experiment much if that makes any sense like we've we've talked about how his rotations are are pretty rigid and you know he's kind of trying to get guys into a flow and this is just something we don't really know well enough because we we haven't seen a season of bud but you know we've never seen a season of consistent rotations from anyone so this is definitely (laughs) (laughs) that is accurate um so like this is a new thing but you know at some point you do kind of need to test some things out like we haven't seen Giannis at center like the smallest we've seen them go is Giannis and Ursan um and I guess technically Giannis can be the center but you know what I mean like we haven't seen a true small ball lineup with Giannis out there um we haven't seen them kind of uh test out some of the uh, I don't even know like uh, we, we just haven't really seen them test anything out that's like out there. Um, just, I mean, maybe other than that bench unit with Brogdon, that's like the most out there thing that we've seen. And it's just because it doesn't seem to make any sense for <laughs> those five guys to be on the floor. Like, so, you know, at some point though, like you said, I don't know that I ever see this Bucks team fully committing to a, a switching scheme. And, you know, maybe they do in a series once they get to like a game three or a game four, but whether or not you do that, you do need to test other things out, like because you can't just throw things at the wall in the playoffs, as as you mentioned earlier in the pod. So, um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, I I should really have looked this up already the next time that the Bucks and Celtics play, um, but I'd be curious. Does do we see some of that the next time they play? Is it the time after? Uh, is it the time after? When does it happen? December, um, December 21st, December 21st, they play in Boston again. Hmm. Okay. Maybe it's then. Maybe, maybe it's the third time. I, I don't really know, but you know, like it, it is going to be kind of fun to see this team kind of test the, some things out because I do think on a night to night basis, their schemes are going to work on both ends. Like there's, there's maybe eh, eight to 10 teams in the league that can somewhat take advantage of what they do. And then, you know, of that eight to 10, there's probably like three or four that can really truly take advantage of what they do. And, you know, those are the teams that you're going to have to beat at some point. You're going to have to find a way around them. So, you know, you might need to test some things out against them or kind of figure out what your plan of attack will be in those moments. So I think that's going to be really interesting to, to kind of watch and, and, and kind of see. Um, I'm trying to think through other stuff in general. I, I thought, uh, let's go end of game. It, does, it was on the far side of the floor for me. I don't know if you saw my t- my picture at the beginning of the game, but you know the press was kind of in the in the far corner. So I was on the opposite end of the bucks action at the end. Uh, 
what happened on the Middleton play? It looked like he got shoved by Irving, but that was as much as I could kind of see from the far end. Of the yeah, play. I only saw one replay. I thought in live time that that Irving must have like pushed him, and that's what caused him to fall. It, when, on the replay that I that they showed on TNT, it looked like there was very minimal contact, but Chris just kind of like got himself off balance. So I, I don't, in the grand scheme of like calls I, I don't really think that was really a blown call i think it was more on chris like just i mean he got ripped by a little guy mm-hmm. and then lost his balance right i mean like even if Kyrie does give you a little nudge like you know he's he's a You're not little dude like you gotta you know <laughs> you gotta be able to not fall over or at least not fall out of bounds so um yeah i mean Giannis I, drive against horford what happened there yeah i um I think, to be honest, it was just the fact that he adjusted, and I think he took it with his left hand eventually, and so I think that was his problem. I think if he tries to finish with his right, he probably ends up finishing it, but kind of, it was a difficult angle, and I don't think, again, especially in that at that point in the game, I mean, Horford may have gotten him a little bit with the body kind of going up, sort of sealing him on the baseline, but, I mean, you know, it's not like he hit him on the hand or something like that. Um, I mean, I think the really, the really frustrating one... Um, other than just Bledsoe and, and Giannis missing the free throws was, um, you know, the fact that like they basically give Giannis that free catch on the lob down three against smart and smart, like looked like he was like trying to foul him for some reason. And, you know, Giannis, <laughs> yeah. if he just goes up a little bit stronger and can finish, um, potentially he's tying the game at the free throw line on a three point play, you know, in the waning seconds, which would have been just a crazy mental mistake from smart and said, you know, he, he, you know, he, he doesn't finish and, and then has to shoot for two free throws. And, you know, the ghost of free throws haunting Frank Madden um, <laughs> strikes as, as Giannis blows, uh, blows the second free throw. And, you know, that was, that was kind of the, the last nail in the coffin. So, um, so yeah, I, again, like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that the Bucks had that many chances down the stretch to, to actually tie the game. Um, given kind of you know, just 24 threes. I mean, how do you, how do you come back from that? But, um, you know, again, like it was, as you tweeted a couple times, like the bucks were on the, you know, the wrong side of the math tonight. Um, and you know, Giannis driving to the rim is usually pretty good math. Um, but tonight just, uh, <laughs> just not quite enough, especially with, uh, with a lot of the other guys, just not really, not really coming through, especially the starters. Right. I mean, basically and shout out to Brogdon. Brogdon yeah. was the only other starter who, you know, really, scored, scored effectively and you know what's that like four or five games in a row now for brogdon like he's he's been good um of late and you know credit to him i mean you know you look back on that series last year i mean brogdon really kind of went under the radar with how bad he was against the celtics last year and obviously part of it you know yep. probably due to the fact that he had just come back from that injury um but you know as much as Bledsoe was kind of the the main you know <laughs> the main goat um that got a lot of blame for for the bucks not being able to kind of pull out that series i mean brogdon was even worse i mean he was terrible in that series and um you know again um he he had some you know again like not not sure we've seen a faster reacting more decisive malcolm brogdon um i think the whole over dribbling thing is kind of i don't know if you're going to be able to take that out of him but uh you know He's, he's getting the rim. He's finishing. You know, he also benefited like Giannis from the fact that the Celtics kind of were content to let the Bucks drive and, um, you know, see if they could score one-on-one. He did that well tonight at a couple threes as well. Um, so, again, like, credit to Brockton. He's, uh, he's been continuing his good play. And, again, I mean, you think about, like, being competitive with the likes of the Celtics. I mean, 
we know Giannis is going to be great. I mean, Middleton, not great tonight, but we've seen him play really well in the playoffs against the Celtics already. He's obviously been good this year. Um, I, I think so much of, you know, whether you think the Bucks could actually beat a team like the Celtics in the playoffs is going to come down to all these other guys, right? And so, um, you know, seeing the bench play well tonight was really encouraging. Yeah. You know, again, those starter, the other starters not playing so well is, isn't encouraging. But, um, you know, again, I think that's going to be one of the real real important things to watch out for is like we were talking about the other night, like do these role players, do these complimentary guys, do they start to look like really good role players and complimentary guys because of the system, because of bud, because of whatever, or, um, you know, is, is, are we maybe seeing a little bit of a mirage with, with this fast start? I think it's gonna be really interesting to watch, but certainly you got to cross your fingers that the likes of Brogdon and Snell and DiVincenzo and, you know, Lopez and all these guys just continue to play at a high level. Cause if they do, Bucks are going to win a lot of games. Maybe not every game, but they're going to win a lot of games. Uh, I think that's going to be it for us. But before we go, man, how nice is it for the Celtics to just be like, oh, man, this possession isn't going perfect. Uh, let's see. Let, our fourth guy has the ball in his hands. Oh, our fourth guy is Gordon Hayward. Um, that's God, they are, they are really deep. They're a really great team. So um, hopefully the Bucks have a couple more battles against them uh, this season and keep it interesting in all those games and, you know, maybe see them uh, in the second or third round of the playoffs. That would, that would make for uh, a, a fun playoff series. So uh, that is going to be it for us for today. We can get into a whole lot more maybe talk a little bit more about Dante DiVincenzo um, and, maybe a little bit more about Bledsoe and Middleton struggling uh, a little bit tonight and, you know, what that could have all been about. But that will have to wait until the weekend. Uh, the Bucks only have one game this weekend, so two days off here, Friday and Saturday. They go at it uh, with the Sacramento Kings on Sunday at 2.30. The red-hot Sacramento Kings. A 2.30 tip coming off a 146-point performance. Do I have that? Yeah, 146-115 over the Hawks tonight. Um, Buddy Heald lighting the world on fire, so surely that will continue. Um, That'll be Sunday. We'll talk after that game uh, and have you— We'll both be in the the building. Oh, yeah. That's going to be wild. That's going to be it for us for tonight on Lockdown Bucks. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you on Monday.